Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Security Token Show. I'm your host, Hurry Konings, and of course, with me here is Kyle Sonlin. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode 40. Believe it or not, we're already up to 40 episodes of the podcast. Thanks a lot to all of our loyal listeners for, for listening. And if you're new here, welcome to the Security Token Show, where this main topic this week, we're going to be covering the state of marketplaces in security tokens, we're going to be covering many of the different liquidity options for security token issuers, some that are live, some that are, are growing or are poised for a strong 2020. But before we jump into that, we are going to start our show with our usual structure, which is starting with our Companies of the Week segment, where we highlight a successful company that's caught both my and Herwig's eyes. We, we pick our own each week, followed by our industry news segment, covering everything that's happened from an institutional perspective over the last week. Then going into some STO updates, the market activity review, and then closing it out with some fun main topic leadership there. So before we dig into anything else, Herwig, I am dying to know who is your company of the week this week for episode 40. Well, Kyle, my company of the week is actually a business association out of Washington, D.C. I'm talking Hmm. about none other than the Blockchain Association, of course, which features corporate members like Ripple, Coinbase, Digital Currency Group, Anchorage, Polychain Capital, and many more. The group advocates for blockchain reform and acts as a conduit between the crypto community and the U.S. government, and they do a great job. They feature multiple working groups, in fact, over 10 of them, to speak on specific Specific issues such as tax reform, custody, stable coins, privacy, and many other very relevant topics to our industry. And of course, many of you intelligent listeners have already gathered that they have just announced a new working group dedicated to security tokens. This one featuring Georgia Quinn, who's the general counsel for CoinList, and Alex Levine, the legal counsel for TokenSoft. Just those two members for now. Hopefully, we like to see that. Uh, grow. But in the end, you know, this organization is creating further connections with DC lawmakers and they're specifically dedicating, you know, a working group to quote unquote, as they say, coordinating the crypto industry's work with regulators and policymakers to modernize securities regulations in order to realize the full benefits of tokenized securities. Well, for me, that's something that definitely earns my company of the week because, as we we know, we've always found a lot of great importance on working with legislators and regulators to improve the security token industry. And now the Blockchain Association is going head-on into security tokens as a part of their overall blockchain work. So congrats to them and keep up the great work, the Blockchain Association. Congratulations to the Blockchain Association. I think that's a great award and and great recipient there from you, Herwig. Certainly both of those two members of the Security Token Council, I think, are very bright people and are going to do a great job in leading that association, hopefully, as you mentioned, as it scales and and continues to add more members and continues to, to grow as our industry continues to grow. So that's fantastic. Congratulations to the Blockchain Association. 
Kyle, of course, you know, I'm also dying to hear who is your company of the week for episode 40. Well, my company of the week is one of the largest companies in the entire crypto industry. It's the largest exchange by volume. It's a unicorn with over a billion dollar equity valuation and has an outstanding utility token with a market capitalization of over two billion itself. That's right. My security token show company of the week is none other than Binance. Uh-huh. And so many legacy crypto enthusiasts, investors, and, and companies have long refuted the idea of security tokens and dismissed the regulation altogether, claiming that utility tokens and a decentralized financial system that didn't rely on established rules to protect investors was the optimal economic climate. Many of these doubters have changed their minds over the recent years as the SEC, along with other jurisdictional regulatory bodies around the world, have begun to enforce the existing restrictions as investors have been reminded of exactly why we have these rules in place, aka they're losing a lot of money. Protecting investors is the key to preventing fraud as well as creating more capital wealth so that those same investors can continue to inject capital into growing industries. And I go into that long diatribe because Binance is my company of the week because I found a new article posted by the company on their blog titled, quote, A Beginner's Guide to Security Tokens, which details high-level descriptions of key features such as the definitions, attributes of the technology, and more about asset transfer. And so from a business that is a leader in the security token space to have an outstanding voice about introing and understanding the balance and, and the nuances of security tokens, it's great to see them embrace that and provide opportunities to convert that enthusiasm into a more realistic asset class for their users. This also perfectly fits my prediction that I made a few weeks ago regarding that my hope that Binance would shift its focus to security tokens amidst the legal uncertainties surrounding utility tokens that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago in that large class action lawsuit that did specifically name Binance and CEO CZ in, in the suit for potentially doing things that are not allowed by specific financial jurisdictions. So it's always great to bring awareness to the security token cause, especially because it does provide so many benefits that utility tokens just simply don't. So whether you're, it, it doesn't necessarily need to be a security token versus utility token thing. It's really just very different asset And so hopefully this, along with other efforts by Binance, can convert some of their users to the security token industry. Maybe one day we could even see a Binance security token exchange. Only time will tell. But regardless, Binance is my company of the week for episode 40. Kyle, huge, huge nomination. I I think for sure your prediction will be accurate. I I think no doubt that the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world will eventually move into security tokens. No doubt that this guide is is only simply foresight to that happening. And Binance is is huge. I think there's renewed focus on security tokens and specific support from the cryptocurrency industry for security tokens as a result of a move like this. So I think your your award here is, is absolutely well-deserved. Congratulations to Binance and team. And I think with that, I think we can jump right into our new segment. 
And, uh, you know, we're going to kick things off this week specifically in Singapore, where one of the world's and perhaps Asia's fastest growing security token ecosystems lies. Last week, specifically, their tax regulator, the IRAS, or the Inland Revenue Authority of Singapore, released new tax rules for three types of tokens, the utility, payment, and security. Interestingly, ICOs and uh, are specifically, you know, classified to utility tokens, which are considered prepaid revenue by customers and is therefore taxed on the corporate level, which is a move, of course, that we've seen similarly done here in the U.S. by the IRS. Now, payment tokens themselves, which are cryptocurrencies and stable coins, have been identified to have no tax on their transactions, which means, of course, that this can pave the way for adoption for for such payment methods uh, in their economy. And finally, and of course, most importantly, security tokens are classified as debt or equity and will have no taxes on issuers when they raise money using a security token. And of course, the same tax law applies for investors as they would investing in a traditional security. Now, this clarity is extremely important for an ecosystem. especially for it to develop and scale. And the IRS has done a tremendous job in creating clarity and a clear tax system for Singapore's digital assets specifically. So I think, you know, this continues to only positively support adoption and growth for the Singapore digital assets ecosystem. And going back over into the U.S., the prospect of Facebook's 2.5 billion users adopting Libra has led to intense scrutiny from global regulators due to its perceived threat to national currencies. In an effort to regain global approval, the Swiss-based Libra Foundation has updated its model and released a new version to the public last week. In its new form, the Libra Association will issue the coin and govern its network via a college of central banks, regulators, and enforcement agencies uh, collected from more than 20 countries set up specifically by the Swiss watchdog FINMA. The governing body will then have a say in Libra's bid to be licensed as a payments service provider in Switzerland, allowing it to launch its stablecoin. Libra, specifically which had planned by the launch uh, for for the end of June this year, now says it's aiming to do so between mid-November and the end of the year, so only really a slight delay. However, still, some countries, including France and Germany, have said that they would seek to block Libra's launch, especially while other global bodies all around the world scrambled to set out new rules for stablecoins. Now, It's also worth mentioning that no major regulator has made a comment about Libra's new proposal. But that hasn't stopped U.S. legislators from being proactive. Representative Sylvia Garcia published a statement in which she rejected the potential for a status change on the Libra coin project. She explained that her intention is to continue to make sure that the SEC regulates all potential securities, no matter their type, citing the Howey test as qualifying Libra as a security. In the end, if nothing is passed by legislators, the financial regulators seem to be the ones who will determine what happens to Libra. And I'm sure we're going to find out in the coming weeks or months if the regulators like this newer version, which is, of course, seeking more and more control for the regulators. But meanwhile, it's the waiting game. Uh, And we can logically presume that regulators will be talking to central banks to get their feedback on privately issued stablecoins pegged to national currencies. And if the Financial Stability Board, or the FSB, has their way, then Libra and all other private stablecoins would be banned. 
Last week, the organization released a public document that outlined 10 recommendations to central banks and G20 authorities for regulating stablecoins, including outright prohibition. The FSB argues that global stablecoins could pose significant governance challenges, including posing a risk to the financial stability of emerging markets and developing economies, and specific concerns around the macro financial problems that could arise if, over time, citizens in both advanced and emerging market economies began favoring stablecoins over existing fiat currencies. Overall, if left unchecked, global stablecoins could have a destabilizing effect on capital flows and local fiat exchange rates, especially so if emerging market especially so in emerging market economies argues the FSB. As a well-respected and global organization, the FSB was set up to advise on the global financial system, so their concerns are likely to be heard loud and clear. This could put further emphasis on central banks themselves launching stablecoins, which of course we've started to see dozens of central banks already do around the world. Now, further in the U.S., T-Zero has had some big news to tout. Similar to last week, Merge winning the fastest-growing nationally licensed exchange, T-Zero announced that their broker-dealer, SpeedRoute, broke their monthly trading record, settling billions of share transactions in March. Now, the the majority of these shares were traditional securities. But CEO Sam Norsalehi says that this was proof that their smart trade ordering systems can handle surges in digital assets as well. The company also claimed that SpeedRoute is said to have grown 218% in revenues over the prior last 12 months. So it seems like their traditional broker-dealer activity is helping the company stay afloat, while of course their main focus for digital assets continues to grow slowly, but surely in new, new investors as well as volume, according to the company. And meanwhile, their digital assets business is still focused on development and now announcing last week also from T-Zero that they are going to be supporting the Tezos blockchain. This time, Psalm says that the Tezos Foundation has been remarkably strategic in its efforts to make Tezos become the blockchain for digital securities and that T-Zero is pleased to support them in their open source protocol. He even mentioned that the River Plaza and other issuers have already expressed interest in using the Tezos blockchain. The the T-Zero integration for Tezos is open source, by the way, and it is available to access via GitHub. And they and there's another big win finally for T Zero. They're on a roll, and also for Tezos, and also for Vertalo. And another announcement that they have become the platform partners of choice for a three phase tokenization plan for boutique real estate group real estate capital management. The tokenization efforts are being spearheaded by blockchain consulting company Advantage Blockchain. The first tokenization tokenization phase will be a portfolio of Class A properties representing roughly ninety million dollars worth of hotels in Pennsylvania and Costa Rica. No official timing has been announced, but you can better believe that when we learn more, Kyle will, of course, cover the security token in the STO update segment of the show. It also, of course, (laughs) and it also seems to be that after the overstock preferred dividend is listed, that a bevy of real estate tokens are to follow suit, according to Sam, again, the CEO. And some of our Canadian listeners in this update may remember that back in episode 17 of the show, an issuance platform named Freedom X won my company of the week for being inducted into the FinTech Sandbox in Ontario, Canada, which is also known as the OSC Launchpad. 
which of course enables Freedom X to start their pilot for trading tokenized securities. The platform has now gotten further support and approval by regulators and now has begun development to enable their secondary market in Ontario, accessible by all investor types in Ontario. Specifically, retail buyers won't be able to exceed $2,500 in orders, which is meant to prevent untrained investors from incurring huge losses. This puts, of course, Freedom X to me as Canada's leading exchange. Due to Canada's regulatory structure, by the way, each province has its own securities regulators, and so it is expected that the platform will slowly over time launch beyond Ontario, especially given that its parent company, Token GX, is also a broker-dealer in Quebec, British Columbia, and Alberta. So looking forward to hearing more and more news from Canada's exchange, Freedom X. Next up, we also have the We Own Issuance platform making a, an update announcement regarding their utility token. Their issuance platform uses the CHX uh, token, which is used as a transaction fee to operate on the blockchain, as well as implement a staking and incentive mechanism for their network, very similar to the Polymath token for, for Polymath. And now the team at WeOwn is going a step further by saying that the CHX token is now going to be taking 1% of all debt STOs on the platform in the form of CHX, of course, and adding it to a global collateral pool. As the lending offer completes itself, 50% of the tokens will then be burned and 50% will remain in the pool in case of any defaults across other investment products. This is, of course, based on a strict investment governance rules and guidelines laid out presumably by the WeOwn team or the uh, or a foundation of some sort. Now, it's worth noting that equity STOs are also required to commit 1% of their offering, I believe, into this pool as well, and that was already a thing. Uh, but the company says it will be also releasing a collateral pool and burn report for the future. I think a key importance for transparency for, for all stakeholders involved. So smart for them to do that. And I think actually that this is certainly interesting. It kind of creates a new value for, for the CHX token or, or STOs on the WeOwn platform, kind of similar to Bancor uh, offering as a sort of liquidity solution if you're familiar with it. But still, in the end, it's a tiny pool of its 1% of everything. So if it's meant to cover failed investment, I think it needs to be intricately designed to actually provide that value to investors. So we'll see how token issuers are attracted to this model over time, since WeOwn is live. If you have your own feedback, please do send it our way as well. Kyle and I are very active on Twitter and LinkedIn. And Kyle, I'm curious, what do you think about this sort of collateral model being done by WeOwn? It's fascinating. I love the opportunities that this this ecosystem provides, right? It it's going to come down to the market. I think you hit the nail on the head with we'll see how this this one percent pool works and if that that is the the proper amount or if those things need to be adjusted I, but I love the model I think it's interesting it's going to be it's going to pave the way for continually iterative innovations in the the financial space and space in terms of issuance 
And uh, I think for that reason, it's, it's all positives. It's fantastic work. Absolutely. They are pioneering. We all are in the space. I couldn't agree more. It's very exciting. And speaking of pioneering, the last article that I have for everybody on the show uh, highlights one of the, I think, very real concerns with decentralized finance or the DeFi concept. Last week, it was reported that hackers managed to steal away with more than $25 million worth of locked up IMBTC crypto from the Lendef.me platform, which offers DeFi loans on the Lendef blockchain protocol created by the DeForce Foundation. The attack was carried out using a sophisticated reentrancy attack, which allows hackers to withdraw funds repeatedly in a loop before the original track transaction is actually approved or declined. So, you know, there's actually also a fascinating update to this story. The DeForce Foundation managed to identify an IP address related to the attack and have since negotiated with the hackers to have all of the funds returned. The foundation cites that the blockchain transactions and the IP address being linked to the hacker uh, for the crime as, you know, support for being able to negotiate and managed to return a total of 23.8 million of the 25 million back to investors. So certainly an interesting resolution. I personally think this hack shows the real risk of truly DeFi products, which have no legal recourses to investors in events like this. But in the end, I do think that DeForce really managed to save its reputation by ultimately recovering most of the funds and identifying the hacker and you know showing how blockchain was a key component to being able to do that. And again, Kyle, on this one, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I... Uh I certainly don't claim to be any expert in in the DeFi space. I certainly am I'm well versed in in this current event. I was reading a lot about it yesterday when it happened, when it broke on Monday. I think that the problem is that this do, this seemed to be a very preventable issue because the the actual the the exploit used was something identified back I think in 2018 or 19, something like that. So this is a known exploit in the smart contract construction. And I think that that's just a, another great example of the fact that that blockchain doesn't say, so solve your issues or smart contracts don't solve your issues unless you're, you're really taking the time to build exactly what you need. You're stress testing it, you're getting audited, and you're making sure that all this process is correct because especially with cryptos, which are unlike security tokens in the sense that you cannot burn and reissue, right? If this is a security token, we could very easily just remove those tokens from the hacker and reissue them to the people that had them stolen. This would not be an issue in security tokens. But for utility tokens that you don't have that ability to roll this stuff back and, and burn that stolen asset you really, really have to be sure that that smart contract construction is ironclad. And I think that in this case, the uh, DeForce Foundation did you know, save itself by, by essentially stumbling into the fact that the hacker screwed up, right? They, 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 it, it's a really convoluted scenario. I'm very happy that no one lost their money and that this, this didn't end up being a bigger deal than it was, but it's just more reason that we have to be careful with the smart contracts we're creating and potentially part of the reason why having sandboxes and things like that that from official regulators can be incredibly useful for these startups to test and stress test over and over and make sure that their protocols and the developments that they're making are, are sound protocols and don't have holes like this one. Because we can't 
risk making a mistake like this on a billion or trillion dollar level. It just it cannot happen. It it would be terrible for and the economy. I certainly don't need to explain I, that I f- anymore. I think therein lies the debate. I, I think perhaps a healthy debate from the DeFi community around, you know, how much level of recourse and centralization and things like that do you, do you account for that. So will be an interesting topic to expand on over time. We, we certainly will be. But that's all the news I've got for everybody. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Kyle. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about some of the upcoming events in the space. Let's dig into it. We have uh, we have one or two. There's you know, unfortunately, because of our current situation, there's not quite as many events, but there are more. I think smaller focused Zoom or or, or FaceTime events. The first one that we have here is is BMCP Live, the third edition Fireside Securities Tokenized Chat, which is a spotlight on Asia for this specific one. The event is in English, and it hosts Kristen Christian. Platzer from Black Manta Capital, who we've covered before with their new real estate tokenization that we discussed in Germany. Eddie Travia from Coincilium Group. Jean-Luc Gustave from Source Digital Assets. Jürgen Hobarth from Tokenization Limited. Padre Walsh from Tanner DeWitt. SJO from BC Group. And Yai Sukanabund from Crossbridge Capital. I apologize for bitchering anyone's names. That is Wednesday, April 22nd. So that is, as of, of the, the podcast getting published, that is tomorrow, April 22nd, Wednesday, at, at GMT plus 8 at 4 p.m. So it's the Hong Kong, it's Hong Kong time, I believe, and 4 p.m. So that's around 12 hours ahead of EST. So it, it will be pretty early um, if you're on the East Coast. But... Uh, Check that out if you're interested in, in learning more about the Asian markets and the focus of some of the, the largest players in the space who are now turning their attention to Hong Kong, Singapore, and Bangkok. Additionally, we have the property-backed digital securities and how they will transform real estate event hosted by SolidBlock. As I mentioned, that this is a 14-event series and they are covering a workshop covering the concepts of blockchain digital assets crowdfunding exchanges and more it is 9 to 10 a.m est on tuesday april 21st the day of posting so is today and there hopefully will be uh, webinars on demand or the videos on demand in the future if you can't make it so if if it's it's not available for you or doesn't work for you to make that time uh, hopefully, they will be posting that soon. I also have another Zoom call that hopefully I will be able to get the, the live webinar and get a link for anyone interested, which is a fireside chat between um, Richard Johnson of Texture Capital as well as Hester Pierce, SEC commissioner, discussing digital securities. And, and he Richard mentioned to me specifically that he will get that YouTube link as soon as possible. So we will get you as much content as we can. You better believe it. And we'll keep you updated on anything else that happens in the coming weeks so that you can join in and participate. Some great webinars coming up. It's really cool. Looking forward to that one, especially the one with Richard. Yeah, no, that's going to be very interesting. It'll be cool to hear him and speaking with with SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce and her opinions on security tokens. I don't know if she's actually discussed security tokens specifically publicly yet, so it could be interesting. Moving on to some new STOs, we have two new security tokens. The first one is is issued by a company called Pixelmatic, 
who is raising funds through a security token for the development of Infinite Fleet, which is a sci-fi multiplayer real-time strategy video game. So Pixelmatic is the game studio raising money for Infinite Fleet, their flagship video game. And the company, Pixelmatic, is led by Samson Mao, who is the CSO of successful Bitcoin startup Blockstream. And he also launched Pixelmatic as a side project in 2011 with his original plan to have Pixelmatic using Blockstream's platform to launch a security token on the Bitcoin blockchain, believe it or not, using Blockstream's sidechain called Liquid. So they were going to use Liquid, um, which is kind of a, I think it's a fork of the Bitcoin blockchain to issue their security token. That was the original plan. However, according to a new press release just the other day from the company's blog, the Infinite Fleet video game will be changing partners from Blockstream, moving on to work with the Luxembourg-based issuance platform Stalker, S-T-O-K-R, for their fundraise. And Stalker, you may recognize, is also working with German company Park Go to launch their security token, which I covered in episode 35. So Stalker is making some moves in, in the security token space. It is important to note as well that Stalker leveraged the Ethereum blockchain for Park and Go. And Samson Mao has been a consistent critic of Ethereum in favor of Bitcoin. So it'll be very interesting to see if their technology strategy changes with this new product or if they're going to stick to Ethereum for the issuance. It certainly seems like Ethereum has, is better suited uh, because of the fact that we've now seen 13 Ethereum tokens issued uh, for security tokens. So we'll have to see how that progresses over time. Unfortunately, no additional details on that offering. Second off, we have Food Check Systems, Inc. And there was a short little press release from the London Digital Exchange, which is an upcoming security token exchange that is announcing their newest STO partner, Food Check. And the release is brief, but it does say, quote, LDX is utilizing its existing market structure and methodologies to partner with FoodCheck for the launch of their DSO, which is currently in private placement with the LDXA. Working with the Hong Kong custodian HEXTR, I guess that's Hextrust, actually, we've covered them before, and Smarter Contracts, which is developing the smart contracts underpinning the securities. Through its platform and bespoke trading settlement methods, LDX will help FoodCheck bring their digital securities to market. So FoodCheck, there's not a ton of information on this offering, on its structure, on what it is, but it will be the pioneering security token for the London Digital Exchange in partnership with Hextrust and Smarter Contracts. That's all I got for security token offerings. We do have a little market update. The market was quiet this week as opposed to other weeks, but we did see the STO market cap up 10% this week, up to 52 million US dollars. It was a huge week for T0, up almost 30% from last week, closing Monday at around $1.29. The trading volume has seen some strong bipolar swings with mostly selling pressure, but the price has been holding strong, so got to give it credit for that. In terms of the other tokens, we have seen a similar pattern over the last few weeks where many of the other tokens are relatively quiet. Open Finance has not had much volume, and the real estate properties have really only seen a 1% to 2% change each day, but have been holding their price well, in addition to, as we continuously mention, their dividend. 
compared to the public market counterparts, these tokens do seem to be holding pretty well and, and show strong promise for, for the future of the industry. So that's, that's fantastic news. It certainly could be much more dire. And with that, Herwig, I think it's time to, to dig in a little bit into the main topic here. And so now that we're through the, with the first quarter of 2020, I thought it would be interesting. It would be an interesting exercise to revisit one of our most popular published articles, which listed over 60 security token exchanges and marketplaces worldwide. And while we can't cover that whole status update on every exchange of the 60, I did pick some of the most anticipated companies and compiled some of the most recent news and updates from exchanges all around the world. So if you want, I can just dig right into that. Please, let's do it. All right. So first, it's important to highlight the companies that are currently providing liquidity to security tokens on the secondary market. So as we've noted in most episodes of this podcast during the trading segment, the three live marketplaces right now are T0, Open Finance, and Uniswap. T0 conducted its own security token offering, raising over $100 million to fund the development of its platform. Open Finance raised money privately but burst onto the scene with its partnership with issuance platform Securitize, which allowed them to list many of Securitize's issued clients like Spice VC, Lottery.com, Blockchain Capital, and 22X Fund. Uniswap is the third and decentralized smart contract protocol that provides liquidity for trading pairs of tokens issued on the Ethereum blockchain. By leveraging this technology along with a strict whitelist controlled by the issuer themselves, any issuer can manage a realistic liquidity solution to provide secondary trading for its investors. It does not seem to be the solution for high trading volumes because of this whitelist constriction, but at this current point in the industry, that really doesn't does seem like a bit of a champagne problem, if you will. As of Q2 2020, the more liquidity solutions, the better. Couldn't agree with that one more, Kyle. You know, for a pilot run or a case study of initial marketplaces, these platforms all offer real insights as well as validation, I think. So especially as the market starts to add more and more providers, you know, this is a, a great start. Right. And so that serves as a nice transition into the next part of the breakdown where I'm going to be looking at a few of the biggest movers on the trading platform side from around the world. So one mover that has consistently made headlines for their rapid progress and early adoption of security tokens is the Singapore-based iStocks. After successfully fundraising at Series A and receiving the monetary authority of Singapore receiving approval from the monetary authority of Singapore, the, the company recently completed a fundraise for its first live digitized security, the Eternal Glade Hedge Fund, whose shares will be listed on the exchange. We've actively been in conversations with this team, and we have actually an exclusive interview with co-founder and CEO, or COO rather, Darius Liu that will be posted on the Medium channel in the coming weeks. This is a company that I've been keeping tabs on since 2018. I've actually been speaking with Darius since that time, and I've been consistently impressed by the attention to detail and the regulatory compliance that the company has maintained throughout the process. It is also our fourth live security token exchange worldwide, as they are now trading the Eternal Glade hedge fund shares on their platform. So it's, it's a fantastic company there, graduated from the regulatory sandbox, and seems to be the fourth 
exchange live around the world? Of course, Kyle, they are awesome. You know, I think all eyes are on them to be Asia's leading security token exchange, especially given all their immense progress with regulators and the momentum they've had in the industry. Still, though, I do know that they will have competition, especially as we learn more uh, later this year, hopefully, uh, from the leading Japanese investment bank and also the leader of the JSTOA SRO in Japan, SBI Investments, who made waves last month when their CEO announced that they would launch a regulated exchange in Japan themselves within this year. Absolutely. It's going to be very interesting to see how that market continues to develop. I certainly know that from personal experience, I've been out in in Asia and in 2018 and, and really didn't find a ton of interest in security tokens. So it's very inspiring to see not only, uh, you know, not even two years later that they've fully embraced the revolution. And it seems like there's some huge key players that are going to dominate worldwide coming out of those markets. Next, moving to Amsterdam, we can take a look at another company that's flying under the radar that appears to be very close to full security token trading. And I'm talking about an exchange the self-described decentralized exchange platform for tokenized securities and digital assets. So this company received their MTF, which is the Multilateral Trading Facility License. So they're now free to list securities and allow investment into the assets themselves from their platform. The first fundraise that they completed was for the exchange's first security token, which is equity in the startup bootcamp accelerator. The company raised almost over 2 million euros, and the digital IPO was confirmed to be listed on their exchange on December 16th, 2019. However, I've checked the site dozens of times since then and don't see any volume for this startup bootcamp token or any price changes. So that suggests to me that they still might not have gone fully live on the NExchange website. And the fact that there hasn't been any trades in the last four months since it's been listed kind of suggests that that might be true. Seems like it isn't available yet, and we've reached out extensively to the team to find out more answers. So if I can get in touch with them, if I can find out more, I certainly will let you know. That being said, they have they have you know self-claimed that it is a, a tokenized IPO, it is a security token, and it will be going live. So hopefully that can go live soon, and when it does, you better believe that it will be covered here. As we continue our world tour, I think we'd make our way to East Africa to examine the up-and-coming exchange Merge, which has made headlines through its own successful security token offering fundraise last year, in addition to the high levels of regulatory approval that the business has received in its journey to security token liquidity. Merge is a live exchange for stock debt and derivatives in the country of Seychelles, with over 31 assets at this time, and is launching a security token exchange to provide liquidity for its own token along with other issuers, including one marquee client, which is tokenizing shares in exotic cars, trialing with the Ferrari F12 TDF worth over a million dollars. This exchange is part of the regulatory body of exchanges, which includes members like the NYSE, NASDAQ, and LSE, and is another leader of the pack that has plans to provide liquidity for security tokens as early as the coming months. With its own token, in addition to other high-quality clients in the pipeline, Merge is just another exchange to look out for in the second half of 2020. I definitely agree with that too, Kyle. You know, Despite being uh, regulated and located on a tiny, tiny island nation located off of Africa, you know they are part of the 
global financial industry as a national exchange that is able to assign ISINs and trade amongst the other major exchanges that you just mentioned. The difference is the merge team has far more control and flexibility to implement new technology in Seychelles, and as a result, they have managed to start offering tokenization services today. So as a a first major exchange, they're going to be one of the, the first to come to market with that really sort of institutional offering. And I think it's going to end up becoming very competitive in in the market as a a foreign exchange to issuers around the world. And so if we take a different approach, we could look at the Deutsche Börse and ING collaboration along with some other large banks that partnered with HQLAX to develop a DLT-driven solution for more efficient and cost-effective liquidity management and collateral management in the global securities financing markets by leveraging the enterprise blockchain Corda from R3. This was started back in 2018, where ING and Credit Suisse executed the first live transactions on the HQ LAX platform, swapping securities baskets valued at around $28 million between the two banks. Unlike other exchanges that are seeking to provide an order book style of liquidity on the open market, the HQ LAX platform enables investors to redistribute collateral by exchanging ownership of tokenized securities on the blockchain without requiring the movement of the underlying asset. So to me, it seems like this is more of an atomic swap process for collateralized securities and derivatives. It's a super interesting case study that may merit its own episode in due time because of the complexities and the the nuance compared to the traditional liquidity methods that we're used to seeing in the industry and in the public markets. The firm has received a lot of investment and is working with some serious names, but at this time, we don't know of any live liquidity occurring on the platform outside of some test trades and some of these, these test things. Germany is especially hot right now for commercial real estate and debt tokenization, so it does seem to be that this is a great option for for uh, those issuers to to find liquidity in the future. It's a, a pretty exciting one, Herwig. No, I, I think you're spot on as well that this may even deserve its own episode in the future. I'm just looking forward to seeing more news from the, the HQLX platform throughout the remainder of the year because, as you said, they are working with very institutional, both issuers and partners, uh, thanks to their relationship with the, the Deutsche Börse so, and, and ING. So, very exciting. True. And if we stay in Europe, we look at the UK-based Archax who is another marketplace to pay attention to for the future. The company received investment from well-known tokenized VC fund Spice VC, which immediately thrust it into the spotlight. Archax filed for the proper filed for the proper permits from UK financial regulators in the FCA, but it does seem like they're still caught in regulatory hurdles in their jurisdiction. This is not just a problem Archax has been facing, but we've seen the same story persist amongst many marketplaces, broker-dealers, and many other financial service professionals. The company has agreed to list polymaths issued security tokens moving forward, which could help the marketplace kind of establish itself in a competitive advantage in this industry. The company still has a strong brand in the industry, but we don't necessarily have concrete evidence of new token listings in the short term. And then finally, if we circle back to the U.S., we have some very, two very institutional exchanges that are seeking to revolutionize our public markets. First off, seeking a 130 million public IPO, Gibraltar-based INX exchange has filed to list as a public company on the U.S. stock market, presumably allowing for retail participation in their security tokens. Originally a crypto exchange, it seems like INX is also planning to provide liquidity for security tokens as the IPO 
is also an incredibly fascinating structure for their fundraising process. It's going to be interesting to see how this works in addition to trying to file for these very difficult-to-get exchange licenses. I can't imagine that filing an S-1 and going public would reduce the, uh, the convolution of that entire process, but it's an it's incredibly institutional way to handle this this process and, and one that I think will be interesting to study in the future. Definitely a landmark deal if they're, they're successful. And then we have the last platform on our list, which is the Boston Security Token Exchange, a nationally licensed exchange created by a joint partnership between T-Zero and Box Digital Markets. And Boston Security Token Exchange is a complementary platform to the existing T-Zero ATS. So while T-Zero itself is not an exchange, but an alternative trading system aimed to provide liquidity for smaller cap private securities, the goal with BSTX is to provide an institutional platform that offers issuers an alternative to actually going public on the stock market. Instead of IPOing on the NYSE or NASDAQ, BSTX is gunning to offer a new solution to the capital needs of late-stage private companies. This is slotted to go live by the end of 2020, but to open a national securities exchange requires compliance and licenses from the SEC that just don't necessarily have a timetable for when they will be approved. So another one that is taking a very institutional route with this, trying to gun for the top spot, trying to take the crown from NASDAQ in terms of providing tech companies with financing solutions. This is going to be a great one to follow in 2020 as well. Harwick. You know, they have the name, you know, security token in their exchange. So there's definitely a lot of pressure, I think, even from the industry, uh, hoping that they succeed to really work things out with the SEC and, you know, show showcase the technology and, and hopefully inspire NASDAQ and others to also start leveraging blockchain for, for their platform. So also interesting to see how T0 has given a path and, and try to accommodate all types of issuers and potentially allow you know security tokens to grow eventually from the T0 exchange to the BSTX when they are ready. So really, really great. Definitely rooting for them. But as you pointed out, there's no telling when or if the Boston Security Token Exchange will ever go live. Absolutely. And so those are some of the movers and shakers that have continued their development at lightning speed and seem to be up-and-coming liquidity providers in the security token space. I think it goes to mention that this is not the exhaustive list. We have many security token marketplaces and exchanges that are also building and developing that didn't necessarily make this specific coverage. Uh, some of those might include um, Blockstation or Polybird or, or many of the others that we've covered week in and week out on the podcast. So definitely go check out that that article that really breaks down all 60 live exchanges if you're interested in learning more. And if there's some important updates from other exchanges that we missed, definitely send those my way or Herwig's way so that we can cover that, so we can start tracking them and build a relationship with those exchanges to help them improve their coverage and, and, and marketing. So um, it does seem like there are many different companies, though, poised for a breakout in 2020. And, and many of them have their own live tokens coming up or they've already fundraised or they're ready to list. So this is not just a pipe dream at this point. We have real world assets that are trading. We've got 13 trading now and we potentially have five to 10 more coming from just these exchanges we've covered in 2020 in addition to any of the new additions to the current exchanges. So 
When any of these players launch new developments, list new assets, or scale their technology, you can be sure you'll hear about it here first before anywhere else around the world. And thank you, Kyle, for putting this update together. It's very exhaustive. It makes me super excited about what's to come just this year alone for liquidity and marketplaces for security tokens. So super, super awesome job. And I'm hoping to catch all of you listeners in next week's episode. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.